What would Winston Churchill say to college undergraduates living in the midst of a world pandemic? I think I know. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. You know, back in 1896, Winston Churchill was just 22, a subaltern in India. And you may be saying, what in the world's a subaltern? Well, it's an officer in the British Army, just below the rank of a captain. And Churchill, at that time in his life, was finding himself in conversations where references were made to people and events, which he simply didn't understand. And rather than fake it until you make it, Churchill decided he was going to, he was going to learn it. And to learn it, he would have to read it. Biographer Andrew Roberts writes, he began to spend after-siesta time lying on his bed reading. Harrow, where he went for his education, had left him with large gaps in his education. So, in the winter of 1896, he embarked on a supremely ambitious reading program, which, within two years, was to leave him easily as well-read as those of his contemporaries who had gone to Oxford or Cambridge. Now, that's pretty impressive. Churchill's reading made such a difference in his life that 30 years later, he would, looking back on his life, write in his book, My Early Life, I pity undergraduates. And we say, what? He said, I pity undergraduates when I see what frivolous lives many of them lead in the midst of precious fleeting opportunity. And then again, in his book, My Early Life, now, that, Andrew Roberts says, is probably the best book for a young person to read that was written by Winston Churchill. It is the biography of the early portion of his life. Here's what Churchill writes. It's rather lengthy, but listen to this. It's really good. Come on now, all you young men all over the world. You are needed more than ever now to fill the gap of a generation shorn by the war. You have not an hour to lose. You must take your place in life's fighting line. Twenty to twenty-five, these are the years. Don't be content with things as they are. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof. Enter upon your inheritance. Accept your responsibilities. Don't take no for an answer. Never submit to failure. Do not be fobbed off with mere personal success or acceptance. You will make all kinds of mistakes, but as long as you are generous and true and also fierce, you cannot hurt the world or even seriously distress her. She was made to be wooed and won by youth. She has lived and thrived only by repeated subjugations. So here you have Churchill at the traditional undergrad age of 22 and then as a middle-aged man at 55 who's pleading with undergrads, you've got to read. You know, I didn't start reading until college, and, and really that began my love affair with learning. But I didn't start reading in earnest until many years later. And when I look back, it's time that I can never make up. And I read 100 books a year, but still, I had so much missed opportunity. So what does Churchill's reading program look like? And in some ways, more importantly, what drove Churchill to read what he did? Well, listen to this clip from Andrew Roberts in his book, 
walking with destiny. As a young subaltern in India, one of Churchill's secretaries recalled him saying in 1944, he found himself often at a loss to understand references in conversation. He decided to be better informed. He began to spend after-siesta time lying on his charpoy, bed, reading. Harrow had left him with large gaps in his education, so in the winter of 1896 he embarked upon a supremely ambitious reading program, which within two years was to leave him easily as well read as those of his contemporaries who had gone to Oxford or Cambridge. I pity undergraduates, he was later to write, when I see what frivolous lives many of them lead in the midst of precious, fleeting opportunity. After all, a man's life must be nailed to a cross of either thought or action. His own life was to prove that someone could comprehensively cover both. Churchill's reading program began with Edward Gibbon's 4,000-page The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, which he was to reread twice more over the course of his life, and parts of which he could quote from memory. He followed it with Gibbon's autobiography and then read Macaulay's six-volume History of England, which he loved, except for the attacks on the first Duke of Marlborough, and The Lays of Ancient Rome, after that, he read Jowett's translation of Plato's Republic and the key texts of Schopenhauer, Malthus, Darwin, Adam Smith, Henry Hallam, Samuel Lang, William Lecky, the Marquis de Rochefort, and very many others, though no novels. The sheer breadth of his reading matter was astonishing, and it gave him enormous intellectual self-confidence to add to the other kinds he already had. A friend recalled lending Dr. Weldon's translation of Aristotle's Ethics to Churchill. It was very good, he rejoined, but it is extraordinary how much of it I had already thought out for myself. Churchill told his mother that he wanted his reading to give him a scaffolding of logical and consistent views. Churchill told his mother that he wanted his reading to give him a scaffolding of logical and consistent views. And here's my aha moment. Churchill established a reading program to fill in the gaps. He saw what was missing in his life, and he said, I've got to read to fill in that gap. And for him, it was to build a scaffolding of logical and consistent views. Now, when I break down this moment in Churchill's life, as described by Andrew Roberts anyway, I see three things. Let me give them to you. One, something's missing. Two, where are my gaps? Three, so start reading to fill in that gap. Let me look at each one of those. Number one, something's missing. Churchill said, I've got a knowledge gap. I'm in conversations and people are talking about individuals and events and concepts that I don't understand. And I love this because until I see that something's missing, I won't get serious about reading. I won't get serious about the second point, which is the question, where are my gaps? Where are my gaps? And specifically, what is my plan to close them? Now, Churchill examined the gaps that he needed to fill in to give him a scaffolding of logical and consistent views. So when you look at his reading plan, man, he's, he's heavy on gibbons and Plato's Republic and Adam Smith, you know, for him it was all about history and philosophy and ethics. No novels when it came to Churchill. Churchill understood that he needed to read that because that is that which would serve him. 
So his reading served him. Third thing, start reading. Churchill, he embarked on an ambitious reading program. And I love this. Roberts notes, he decided to be better informed. Now, how many people have said, I'm going to get better? How many people have said, I'm going to start to read? But they never read. But you look at Churchill and his decision to get better was matched by action. He started reading. And that seems so simple, but I can't overemphasize the point. Hear it. He started. All right. So my aha moment is this. Churchill established a reading plan to fill in the gaps. And for him, it was filling in the gaps that would give him a scaffolding of logical and consistent views. And reading made such a huge difference in the life of this world leader that he pleaded with undergraduates, kids, don't flitter away your life. You don't have an hour to lose. And one way you take advantage of the moment and prepare for your future is to read. And that's my thought on my walk with Winston Churchill, Andrew Roberts, and his fine biography, Walking with Destiny. Now, my question for you is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? What do you want your reading to help you to do? Where are your gaps? And when will you start in order to fill in the gaps? 